Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil and my guest today is Jenny Brozina. Jenny is an all-around incredible human being. She has done so, so much. She's the managing director of Aqueous Sports Group International, ASG International. She does some incredible things, helping people, business development, corporate partnerships. She is just all around. She started the business trying to help out swimming athletes and now is in strategy meetings with tech companies for what she does and how she does it. I think it is absolutely incredible. And Jenny and I are actually announcing a partnership on this episode. So I hope you guys all enjoy that. So without further ado, here is the incredible Jenny Brozina. We talk so much on the For the Love of Sports podcast about the power of connections and skill sets. So we're teaming up with Aquia Sports Group International to deliver two high-level mentorship programs. The 12-month sports business program will help you craft innovative partnerships and improved selling strategies. And for our newcomers to the sports world, we have a three-month sports business new grad program where you will gain skills to become an integral part of your team. Best news, both programs include monthly video meetups, digital worksheets, exclusive industry interviews, and real case studies. Let's come back from the shutdown even stronger. So head over to aqueous.co.com. That's www.aqueous.co for more information and to get on the wait list. Today on For the Love of Sports, I have my friend Jenny Brozina, Managing Director of Aqueous Sports Group, Director of Business Development and Corporate Partnerships at the largest NHL youth charity, certified strength and conditioning coach, former adjunct professor. Thank you for being you, Jenny. How are you today? Well, it sounds like I've been busy, but I've been stuck in quarantine, so I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I am brightly attired. Like I said, it's a beautiful day, so after we're uh, done with this, I'm going to head out paddleboarding and no better way to spend a Friday than start it with you and then head into the weekend. Stop it. That is <laughs> stop it. You're going to make me blush. We're live right now. People are watching. I, can't, I love it. can't do that to me, but no, I sincerely, I appreciate you coming on. I'm very excited. We do have a little um, exciting partnership. We get to announce towards the end of the episode. We want to keep people, you know, we want to keep them waiting. Right? We got to, we got to get them to the end, but no, the first question you've listened to some episodes, you know, it's coming, Jenny. Why do you love sports so much? I love athletes. I love athletes far and beyond. I love being a fan. I'm actually not a very good fan of sports, which is always kind of the, the weird thing of how my career has gone. Um, but I absolutely love athletes. I love their mindset. I love the way that they are just wired to look at life and go through the world. I love how they deal with challenges and really habitually rise to the occasion. Um, and I love being able to build an ecosystem around making them better. And, and that has really afforded me a career that has grown in a, a variety of capacities. And I love that because there's so many ways to work with athletes. And I think too often you kind of get 
bogged into thinking there's really like one of three ways to work with athletes. But the reality is the business of sport is massive and it stretches far and beyond simply working with, say, an NBA team, you know, or, or being just a, a manager or an agent. There are so many different ways to get involved in, in sport. And I just love it. And I appreciate I appreciate that because that's really the whole reason I started this show uh, just to get people to understand like there's so many different things you can do. I mean, just from the highest of high levels. Oh, you like managing money? You know, you can manage athletes' money, yeah. right? Like you want to be an accountant. Want to be an accountant? I think it would kind of be cooler to be an accountant for like maybe not the Knicks, but like I don't know, maybe the Lakers. Those books probably look pretty cool, right? You know. Well, that's exactly it. Any talent you have as you know a, a person, we all have our innate talents, just and our own personalities. But then whatever you went to school for, there truly is a place for you in sport. And I think we need to do a better job, um, you know, with the next generation of kids that are graduating, of alerting them to all of the different possibilities. Much like you said, if, you're, if your career education is in money management, massive opportunity. If you went to school for computer science, fantastic. If you're an engineer, you've got sports tech companies popping up left and right. There are so many different ways to get involved in sport. I happen to be pretty good at uh, visualizing a possibility and being able to connect people to make that happen. That means business development and partnerships are a great possibility for me. Um, there, there's just a lot of options above and beyond just being an agent, a coach, or an athlete. I completely agree, and I'm very excited about that. I do want to hop back to something that you said before. How are you a bad fan? <laughs> what exactly does that mean? I don't really understand. I feel, you know, the, the good fan is the one that I view, is the one, you know, the day revolves around the game calendar, right? You're willing to buy the merchandise. You're willing to go through the emotional battle. Your day is ruined if your team did poorly, that to me, you know, that is like the true dedicated fan. And uh, that's not how I'm wired. I, I'm much more in terms of passion. I'm much more passionate about outdoor sports and actually going and participating in them um, as opposed to, you know, spending my Saturday or Sunday hanging out on the couch watching watching TV. I totally respect that. Honestly, I'm bad fan, good fan. Um, I see where you're coming from with that argument. I would almost say you're a rational fan if that makes sense as well i would yeah. consider myself the irrational fan the person that wakes up looks forward to football on saturday watches from 12 to 1 in the morning and then does it again on sunday i would say that's a little irrational but good fan bad fan we don't have to put those types of labels yeah maybe on. i'm not i'm not a good consumer of sport maybe that's yeah. a good way to put it i like that I like that. And so yeah. let's let's hop into your story a little bit. As you said, you've always loved athletes. I mean, what what I have to assume you played a couple sports growing up. What what were your kind of, you know, your go-tos while you were growing up? Yeah, I was a long-term swimmer. Long-time swimmer. I think I hit, you know, the 10 or 11 year mark um, of participating in that and then I went into coaching. I also got really big into snowboarding and that is still both of those sports are still part of my yearly calendar, which is fun. It's a great way to travel and see people and make friends and stuff. Um, I never participated in ball sports ever. I went through a brief gymnastics stint um, and then I got into paddleboarding. So yeah, I'm always more of a full body coordinated motion type of an athlete. That's good. I think yeah. just for like humanity, that's really important. And it also doesn't sound like you really played too many team sports. So uh, going out uh, as uh, bulldog yeah. has that word ever been used kind of run through brick walls kind of thing gosh that's interesting no oh. i wouldn't i wouldn't turn it down I, I would probably agree with it um no what i love about 
those sports that I mentioned, and especially swimming. It's, it is a very tight team atmosphere. However, you have a very individualized uh, goal, responsibility, if you will. And uh, I definitely see now in my professional life and, and certainly my adult life and how I handle my relationships, um, I see how that helps shape my personality. If you put me in any kind of a team dynamic and, and certainly a professional team dynamic, um, I want to know what my responsibilities are. I want to know where your responsibilities are. And I want to make sure that the whole team moves forward to win. But I I do not necessarily do well with like, okay, let me punt it over to this person to go and do this and then come back to me. And I don't, I don't do well like that. So I, I see how it carries, how it carries over. Interesting. Right? Yeah. You know, just start talking about this stuff. You know, start learning a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. I try and do that every day. So you were a, you are, as we said before, a certified strength and conditioning coach, master's degree in exercise science. I guess was that, you know, obviously your career has taken a couple different, uh, there's been a few forks in the road, it looks like, and you keep taking the fork, it looks like. Yeah. Um, with, with the strength and conditioning, was this just another way for you, as you've been saying this whole time, you love athletes, you love working with them, the way their brains are wired, the, what they're willing to do to go out and do whatever it takes was strength and conditioning just the first thing that you, you fell in love with about athletes or, or was there something more specific to yourself? Obviously, again, all these sports that you've played have all, as you said, been full body where, where's the connection there? I guess, why was that the first path that you took? Yeah, well, I think my undergrad and my grad are actually both in, in exercise science or sports science. Um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I really, I love, I love research. I've been involved in multiple research um, projects and publications. And I think I, I do love having a, a high level of professionalism. So when I was still an undergrad, that was something that I went and I pursued um, in order to, you know, be able to bring a level of professionalism to the projects that I was working on. Um, I did come out, I, I briefly worked with a couple of athletic teams as their strength and conditioning coach. But to be honest, for me personally, and what I wanted out of my career and, you know, just different personal goals, I knew that I needed a bigger playing field than what that particular um, niche in the industry could offer me. So what I've been able to do is leverage that education and that, that certification and experience, and I bring it to new tech-based projects. Um, I was working with a company that was developing a wearable and, you know, they had the engineers and the comp side people and the biz dev people, but they didn't have anyone that spoke that language of, okay, well, how is this actually going to be interacting with the body and a, a training protocol? And I was able to bring that to the table because I had that. So um, just a building block to, to be able to relate later. Exactly. And I think it is kind of cool, again, kind of looking at your career and what you've done. It, as you said, building block, I think, is the best way to say it. And and sticking on the um, – so first, tech companies, awesome. Love a lot yeah. of them. But, yes, uh, I'm sure they do kind of think of these ideas but don't think of the perfect actual application of it. You know, in theory, everything sounds good until yeah. you have someone like you come in and be like, hey, guys, did you realize, like, that's not how an arm looks. You know, that's not really right. how these things kind of – doesn't right. work like that. So it's it's great to have you, you know, as you said, you know, being able to use that side of your career, that side of your brain and understanding of the body of athletes, of exercise science, and being able to actually apply it, which I think is important because sometimes you find in tech companies they forget the actual application and just think about the theory. So so kudos, congratulations to you for that one. And I guess kind of sticking on that with that being, you know, one of those first building blocks, just to kind of make it a relevant topic, you know, we've all been stuck inside for three months at this yeah. point. You know, places are starting to open up as we've seen down south and we'll see yeah. how, how well that goes. I've heard a couple different um, 
you know, it just depends on what side of the aisle you're listening to when it comes to news. But with with exercise science, what have you been seeing, I guess, in people and specifically in the athletes that you've been working with? Like what have some especially those that I feels like that like first six weeks, people were terrified to just leave their homes. Yeah. Some people are living in 800 square foot apartments. It's kind of difficult to do anything in there. What have you seen with the athletes and the people specifically to kind of just almost upkeep? just on your body and make sure that you're still at least doing something with your life. Well, detraining is ap- is a real thing. A hundred percent. It's, it's an absolute real thing. And it comes on quick. Um, so what I've really seen from an athlete standpoint is the emotional roller coaster that has come with it. I mean, I think whether you're an athlete or a weekend warrior, um, people use movement and exercise as a coping mechanism. And for so many people, like you said, whether it's in this country or other countries that had even stricter rules about when you're allowed to go outside, um, that, that coping mechanism was truly taken away unless you already had some equipment or something, um, or even the discipline to do basic calisthenics at home. So what I'm, what I'm seeing now that we kind of went through that emotional roller coaster of, you know, it's okay to be detrained at the moment. This is a temporary thing. This is not going to be a lifelong thing. Um, people are now needing to rebuild and what, what I'm seeing from the emotional standpoint is that where if an athlete, say, went through some kind of a, an illness or something that knocked them off course for a little bit, there would be such a, a level of, you know, mild depression of like, oh, I used to be here. And now I'm here. Like, it's terrible. Whereas now, you know, everyone's out of shape. However, uh, there's a, a great level of positivity of, oh, at, le- at least I could go out and make it half a mile for a run or a mile for a run, whatever, whatever your exercise may be. Um, and I, I find that positive. I find that pretty uplifting. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But I think the fact that, you know, some leagues are starting to come back, they are absolutely taking that into account. These athletes, whether they're pro or recreational, you have to get back in shape. I mean, no one was able to avoid some kind of a lockdown and therefore detraining. Yeah. I think that it's always just kind of interesting. As you said, it's kind of, um, at least, at least it was everybody. It's not like you can single out a single athlete and be like, hey, like you weren't doing anything. It's like, all right, like, again, you live in an 800 square foot apartment in New York City. It's probably in your best case scenario, stay at home, don't do anything. You know, maybe it kind of sucks for a little while, but yeah. then work back up to where you were. And that part's not very fun either. Not that I would know or anything. I just assume it's probably not that fun. for the both of us. I'm probably I'm assuming it's probably not that fun. I mean, I do my push-ups, I do my planks every day, and that's and I go on a nice walk. Those are, you know, yeah, if I do those three things, eat some green yeah. stuff. I, you know, whatever, man. I think I'll be fine. We'll live. Better but, than being sedentary. Yes, very much so. I try, you know, I have that stupid Fitbit. I mean, I know ten thousand steps means nothing, but base ten <laughs> system, man. Let's get to that that fifth yeah. digit. That's always fun for me. And so, so with that, I guess you know your strength and conditioning career then led into becoming an adjunct professor. And as I've already said, I'm going to say it again. Thank you for shaping our youth. I appreciate it. And I wish teachers got paid more money and that maybe that's, you would have been in that position longer if they actually paid you what you were worth. But that's <laughs> another conversation. I guess, was it was it always something that you wanted to do was to kind of share some of the knowledge that you've gained? Again, you're a self-proclaimed nerd, not my sure. words, yours. You wanted to kind of share some of that information with just younger people or just people in general? Yeah, I love it. I, I truly love teaching people about how the body moves, how the sports business world works. I do. I I genuinely enjoy it. And I think that's why even now that I'm not an adjunct professor, and you're right, they don't get paid very well. um, I love doing 
pieces like this or, or speaking to other sports management or exercise science programs throughout the world. I've had the privilege of, of chatting with a number of different programs. And I just genuinely, I think it's a responsibility of professionals to go back and do that because I mean, much like you said, teachers are, I, I agree, undervalued and they're such an important part of setting people on a path. But I think my career is a great example. There's so many different ways to go. You need to be talking to people who are actively in the field to see the difference between what the textbook is saying and what the real world is saying. And the sports industry has morphed massively even in the last five years. Um, and that's not fast enough to go and develop a new textbook. So there, there's opportunities out there that I, I truly, I do. I believe that professionals have a responsibility to go back and, and talk to the youth. And it's something that I am personally passionate about. I think um, based off of, off of some feedback that I've received from students, I'm able to take some of the more complex problems that the industry is dealing with and be able to clearly articulate it at their level in order for them to gain a better understanding and, and maybe a commitment of how they want their career to go. So yeah, I enjoy it. Um, I, I would love to get back into it. So we'll see what happens. I'll cross my fingers for you. Um, Thank and you. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it would be, I'm sure your expertise now, especially with everything that you've started to do over the last couple of years as well, would have, you know, that's more, you know, we can almost say it's a, it's a general class where you could teach them about all these different things um, or maybe, you know, niche down, whichever you prefer. But it's always just interesting to me, you know, with people wanting to go out there, you know, I've always wanted to just be an adjunct professor. I don't want to be a full-time professor. It, I probably agree. Sound, it sounds awesome when you talk to full-time professors, but I don't know. It's, I don't want to do research. I'm not really a research yeah. guy. You can you can do the research for me. How's that sound? But my favorite teachers were always my adjunct professors. You yeah. know, I would take the late classes because they're uh, Professor Ricci. He was my intro to like supply chain or something, and he worked for Birchbox. But this is like right. 20, this is like 2013 though. So this was before like everybody had a subscription. So yeah. he would come into class and be like, "Hey, you guys want to learn about supply chain? We're kind of you know revolutionizing the market without really knowing it." And he'd be able to come in and actually teach us. He's like, hey, this is what I did today. Let's talk about it. It's like, okay, cool. I don't want to read out of a textbook. I don't want to memorize stupid definitions anyway. So shout out Professor Ricci if he ever wants yeah. to come on the show. But um, it was always just interesting. That was my favorite. So what, like when you would go in and teach, how would you, you know, as you were saying before, you know, it's not just about reading a textbook and not just about that. But I guess what, and I know you only did it for a little while, but how how did you feel your teaching style was and how did you feel the students were, were picking up upon what you were putting down, for lack of a better term? Yeah, um, I what I learned, how I learned when I was in school was when a teacher was able to say, hey, this is what, how it's applicable in real life. And now let's work backwards and learn the, the fundamental principles that go into it. Um, I, I still struggle. If you just say, here's a problem that you're supposed to care about. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't really get buy in really quickly. Um, but if you show me an example, then, then I'm, I'm all on board. Um, so what I really do is I take real world case studies, whether that is an athlete going through a rehab program, whether that's building a strategic partnership between two different Olympic training centers, whatever it is, um, I bring a real case study to the to the classroom and that way they know that i'm not just blowing smoke and there is a, there is a larger understanding as to why it's important to learn this and i always look for that opportunity that is fantastic and great use of blowing smoke there i think that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
kudos to you for that one. But no, and, and I, again, I appreciate it. I do not say it, um, you know, tongue in cheek at all. I have a friend who's a teacher and I appreciate teachers so much. And I think everybody, and I've talked to people now, you know, who have a couple kids and they're all telling me like, wow, I think our teachers should start to get paid more money because they have, I can't handle two of my kids, let alone try handling 30 at the same time for eight hours an entire day, you know, kudos, congratulations to all those people out there. So thank you, Jenny. For being I agree here. with you completely. Um, so let's, let's start to talk about Aquius a little bit, I guess first, uh, it's a pretty interesting jump, you know, again, you know, we were back in the story a little bit, you were a strength and conditioning coach, you, you know, you know, a lot of it, obviously you even said you started to work with some companies about, you know, the applications, you were a teacher with it, you started teaching, where was the kind of light bulb in your head that said, all right, I know about all this stuff, but I can kind of apply some of the things I've learned and what I've done and just kind of use it in a different area, such as business development, such as partnerships, such as sponsorships, uh, you know, management of these athletes. Yeah. Where was that, I guess, light bulb that said, you know, I love what I'm doing here, but I can do this plus so much more. Yeah, I think that I am someone who always looks for that bigger playing field. I think I innately need a global playing field. And with that comes the ability to have multiple projects and, and something always kind of in the works. Like I said at the beginning, I think we're all really blessed with whatever personal talents that are just innately within us. And for me, uh, it's the ability to go up and, and speak to anyone, whether it's a senior level person, an executive level person, a student, whoever it is. I, I don't have a problem going up and speaking to somebody. So I think that really lends itself to naturally being highly productive in a business development or, or client partnership type of a role. Um, and you can go back to stories of my mom, you know, talking about what I was like as a toddler. And she's like, you would just go up to these adults and start a conversation with them. It was the weirdest thing, but I'd let you do it. So um, we all have whatever innate talents. When I was working in sports medicine, you know, I would look at these, you know, PT, sports chiros, nurses, whoever it was, and they just had this amazing innate level of empathy for people that after I was in there for a few years, I was like, I just don't have that. I, I'm sitting here working with you and I enjoy chatting with you and helping you feel better and everything, but I just don't have that natural overflow of empathy towards people. And uh, that was probably one of the biggest switches when I was like, okay, it's time to go and figure out how I can embrace these skills, you know, academically and professionally that I've developed, but also uh, really leverage the natural talents that I have. And with Aqueous, it, it's, I love it because it's not just one specific type of sports management firm where, like I said, there's plenty of sports management firms where it's like, okay, we are just going to rep represent athletes. And that means that I'm going to do your contract negotiations. I'm going to make sure that your social media is on point and we're going to grow your sponsorship brands. That is fantastic. Um, but I needed something where it was like, okay, well, we need to have projects coming in where it might be tech-based. And then we might need a new challenge where it's an Olympic training center needs a new strategic plan. And then we also need to be able to build out a product for athlete development. And, and this was just a great fit and I really am enjoying it. And I think it's, it's so cool how you've been able to kind of reverse engineer, you know, kind of, as we talked about a little bit before reverse engineer, understand okay, this is, these are all the things I can do. Now, how can I go help people with these types of things? And and this is, this is my expertise. This is my skill set. 
who are the people can I help with this? As you said, whether it's an Olympic training center, whether it's an athlete that needs a little help with social media, I'm sure you guys do that as well, right? So it's it's having all these different opportunities. Now, again, you know, starting from strength and conditioning coach to now, I, I understand your skill sets were there and, you know, shout out to your mom. The 90s were definitely just a little different if she just allowed you to do that. So kudos to her. But where- baby the 80s, 80s. Whew. all right good for you good for you <laughs> things were different back then let's just go with that um but but i guess where where along the line did you learn how to do these things i understand the the skills and the abilities i guess uh the attributes were there the, the attributes were there how did you develop those skills and talents along the way yeah i think i had uh i had resources to really great leadership programs throughout high school and I think that is so incredibly, incredibly important. They were not sports related at all. Um, it was through uh, community engagement. It was through philanthropy. It was through um, some religious organizations. It was through it, it was through a variety of things. But these were organizations that really believed in developing the youth, that to to give them leadership skills, to give them responsibility, to give them a long leash in order to go and get results and to really guide kids to develop these skills in communication and planning and delegating to people, asking what you need or want. And that, what I learned in college was that not every kid had that experience. And then once I was in college, then I, I already had the skills to be able to go up to a professor and say, hey, I want to be involved in this. Here's what I could bring to the table and here's what I want to learn by the end of it. And I think, and, yeah, no. And I really, I believe that, that those two things, you know, coupled with the fact that I did grow up in a family where I was encouraged to sit at the adult's table and participate in adult conversation. I remember being, you know, four five and six and, and it was, well, the adults are speaking. You can either participate or I'll talk to you in 10 minutes when we're done. And I, I just think between that as an upbringing and then those two moments between high school and college, it gave me an amazing foundation to then be able to to go and build off of it. And and one thing I want to add to that I think is really interesting. You know, you said, you know, not everybody had that experience, but some people did have that experience. They just didn't take advantage of it, right? Some people just kind of they just went through the motions with that stuff and it was like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, my dad's friend works for some company, I don't know, Johnson & Johnson or whatever. It's like, do you know who Johnson & Johnson is? Do you know what they do? So, you know, just just because even if somebody you had those experiences, but you took advantage of them. And as you, as you just kind of mentioned that uh, a lot of it goes back to your parents. Again, kudos to your mom. Things were different back then. Yeah. Um, well, you know, but, you know what else too is that I've always surrounded myself with people that have high expectations for their own behavior, for their own goal setting, and the ability to go out and achieve them. Now, most of them are athletes. And I think, again, going back to what I said, I love athletes. Um, you know, but no, no one is out being a professional athlete. They were just out doing the regular kid, high school, college, club, you know, whatever it was. They were out being normal athletic kids. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a big part is your personal responsibility, what your uh, resources are, are able to provide for you. And then, much like you said, you got to be able to take advantage of it. Mm hmm. Because if you don't take advantage of it, what the heck's the point? Give, give that advantage to someone else because they could probably use it a little bit better. Exactly. So with with what you're doing now with Aquius, I guess, what, how has, like, what was it like to start a business and start a company and, and just say like, you know what, this is me, this is on me. You know, if I want to go out and paddleboard, 
damn it, I'm going to go out and paddleboard. Like, how have you been able to handle the, the, I guess, entrepreneurial side, which it, I'm sure it sounds like you're a little closer to type A than I am, but how, uh, how have you been able to handle it? And what are some of the successes that you've seen with athletes, with projects and yeah. some of the things that you've done? Well, can I tell you, I had, I had a psychologist once you, I think she really nailed it. She's, she told me, uh, we were on the floor in a rehab center. She's like, I feel that you're type B with roaring type A undertones. And I said, I was like, wow, you, I think you might've hit that really on the head. All right. Um, to start, uh, it's, it's hard. It's absolutely hard. I think, um, there's so many outside forces that go into one, starting a business when you are young two when you look young, uh, and three in a male dominated field, all of that absolutely goes into play. Um, I also think that when it started, the vision for it was far different than what the reality is for it now. And that has been a wonderful opportunity for me to rise to the occasion and figure out how to make things happen. When we first started it, it was simply to provide athlete performance services to a, a small demographic of athletes. And now it's a full fledged sports management firm that we can really handle big problems and, and multiple different types of problems. Um, it's absolutely not just me. There are multiple people involved from multiple countries in multiple ages, careers, um, general specialties. And that's what I wanted. When I looked at other sports management firms, like I said, they were you know, they're diverse, but they're very singular in terms of like, oh, okay, we're going to go and, and take care of an athlete. And, and I get the financial benefit that comes with that. And, and the, the guarantee of like, oh, I'm going to go and sign a $20 million contract for you. I get 4%. I love that. that. That's awesome. But what I really wanted to see was to almost have a management firm that mirrored these engineering tech incubators you know, where you had a, you had the talent come bring us the projects and the problems. Let's bring the solutions and continue to grow and morph. That's what I really wanted for it. And, and that was the result of being able to get exposed to multiple people. And of course, not doing it just myself and everything. Um, so that that's ultimately how we got to where we're at now. And so where, where were you hanging out that they had these engineered tech incubators? Are you like... Where, where is that, that you're going and you're just like, hey, guys, I'd love to show up. To <laughs> Listen, Google. <laughs> you're just, I think you, it's the same way that anyone gets anywhere in their career. You're Googling things. You're exploring. You are sending cold emails. You're calling people. You're LinkedIn messaging people. You're showing up to conferences. I was doing, and I still do, all of that stuff to simply say, hey, I like this aspect I'm really interested. Will you spend 10 minutes on the phone with me? It's something so simple in order to expand your horizon. And, you know, if your horizon means that you want to go and make a million dollars off of this new idea, rock on. Like I'm all, I'm all into it. If you're, if, if you're doing it in order to just fulfill a project for school, same thing. I just had a kid reach out to me from uh, India two days ago and, and I was on the phone with him within 10 minutes. So whatever the reason is, you just got to do the footwork in order to go and get the result. I love that. And it sounds like you're very accessible too, which is fantastic. And we appreciate that. The more you can put yourself out there for people to come to you, the more people you're going to continue to attract. And, and, you know, same thing. I mean, if you're going out to these conferences and looking for these types of people that you can learn from, 
you will continue to find them in more ways than one, which I think is very important for people to understand, especially kids or, you know, high schoolers, um, people, young, young kids, college students, understanding the networking and the relationships that come with this, uh, which is something I want to talk about in a minute. But I want to hop back to the beginning of Aqueous a little bit. Um, as you said, it was for a very specific group of athletes. Yep. I'm going to go out on a limb. Aqueous, were they water-based athletes? You got it. Yep. Ah, man, I'm so good at this. It's incredible. You're incredible. You're Thank a you, true investigative journalist. Yes. In the, Katie Couric. Some people call me Katie Couric. <laughs> what can I say? Um, but I guess, you know, in the beginning, why did you want to be so specific? What was it? You know, obviously, again, you opened up your horizons and started to learn more. What was it in the beginning that you were like, okay, this is the area I want to focus on. This is how I want to do it. And this is why I want to do it. Well, at the very beginning, GoPro wasn't even widely adopted as a tool. So at the very, very beginning, I needed a solution to get a camera underwater in order to be able to help aquatic athletes that were coming into sports medicine practice that I was working with. That was the absolute very beginning. And the fact that I could not solve that problem was truly like the driving force behind it. It was that I know that I have the skills to help this person. And yet technology is not where I need it to be. And I need to solve this problem. And that I, I kind of lived in that space for about 18 months until GoPros became widely accessible. Um, and that truly was the, the fuel for it is that, you know, there, there's so much content, really great content, but but content around developmental baseball players or uh, soccer football players, swimmers didn't have that. <laughs> swimmers did not have that. And there wasn't people in the industry did not see it as a valuable enough sport with enough injuries. And that was a massive falsehood. You know, this is a, a sport that from a, at least in America, a socioeconomic standpoint, it completely matched up with their ability to pay for healthcare. Um, and it also had something like an 80% injury rate. And above and beyond that, it was a family sport. So, so the odds of you having one sibling as a swimmer, you're likely going to have your second and third swimming, swimmer as well. So the economics of it and, and the opportunity, you know, it needed to be sorted out. And that was ultimately the, the real base of it. Mm -hmm. And then so after that 18 months after I mean, it, it makes sense why you started that way and what you did. But as you said, after about that 18 months, when GoPros became a little bit more widely accessible, a lot more people started to use them. What was I guess what what's the next step? You know, obviously, now, again, you're doing so many different things and crushing it at all of them. But what was that next thing? Like, what was that first kind of like toe in the other pool? I guess you could say and understanding like, hey, maybe, maybe I can do some stuff over here too. let's kind of see how this works out. Well, born out of necessity. The problem with uh, the the swimming community in any culture, and that was something that, that we learned, um, it is a real, it's starting to change, thankfully, but it, it, it was a real disinterest in having anything new come into play. Um, and that's because there, there were not tech advancements. There were not large... Uh, commercialization of the standard uh, yearly calendar of events. You know, obviously the Olympics swimming is a really big thing, but the standard yearly calendar events, there are not a lot of mass media sponsorships, athletes getting paid, all this other stuff. And now that we have the International Swimming League, who I'm not affiliated with at all, I don't do any work with them, but it's really raising the bar of conversations. There's some, I know that there are some 
legal things trying to push to be able to have athletes be paid. There's innovation in the sport now that I think will really be able to open the doors up. There have been more tech advancements in terms of, you know, kind of having like the Fitbits that can go and walk. There's more tech advancement. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that is fueling a new generation of young athletes that expect to be able to have the same kind of conversations with their soccer, football, baseball buddies that like, oh, yeah, I also have access to this while I'm in the pool. So and I think I that, like, yeah, it's really diverting to uh, get into other aspects of sports management was truly just out of survival. Yeah. Oh, you got to pay your bills, man. I'm, I'm all for it. You got to do what you got to do. You got to pay your, your, um, your employees, you got to pay your bills. And I think that part's very important and understanding. Again, I just think it's really, it's, it's always interesting to see the evolution of a business because if it's staying stagnant, it probably means it's going to die. And you quickly found that out 18 months in, you're like, all right, well, I can continue to do this, but on top of this, I can do X, Y, and Z. And it's again, just continuing to grow and continuing to grow where now it sounds like you're doing a lot of tech. You're doing a lot of consulting work with some of these gigantic, you know, opportunities like, um, Olympic training centers, right. You know, and understanding the strategic partnerships that they can have with each other, which I think is really important. Um, and we brought it up for a second, only a couple minutes ago, but the, the relationship building. Um, that's one, another reason why I love this show is because I get to talk to some cool people. Vice president, great people on this show. Vice presidents of Octagon are reaching out to me. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I'll be totally honest. It makes no sense, but it's a blast. And I get to ask them questions. It's my favorite thing I get to do. So I appreciate them. I appreciate you for coming on. You are going to be the most famous person in sport in about 18 months. I guarantee it. If I keep this up, maybe, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll keep it rocking. We'll keep it rolling. And you are well on your way as well. And I'm very excited. And, and I guess when it comes to relationships with athletes, with brands, with tech, you know, engineering tech incubators, like I, I understand, again, you're always out there. You're always moving. You're always shaking, meeting people, adding value. When and how did it click in your brain that like, all right, this is the way you advance. Everyone thinks sports is huge. Everyone thinks it's a gigantic thing. You meet five or six people, you're practically two degrees away from everybody. From everybody. It's insane. So how have you been able to go and, and take advantage of those relationships and add value to people? You know, as you said, you know, some kid from India calls you up 10 minutes later, you're on the phone with him. Maybe that's good. Maybe it doesn't do anything for you. But again, it's just creating those relationships and building them. How have you gone about that aspect of, of your business, but also of your life? Well, I think uh, because I made some switches early in my career, and again, when you start young and you look young, uh, you run into some roadblocks. But for me, that also gave me the opportunity to really look and see who's further along in the career that completely not only underestimates me, but doesn't even account for me to come into the playing field and maybe be a competitor. And so for me, I want to talk to everybody because I've got no idea who's coming up behind me. And I would far rather be in a position where I'm lifting them up and building a relationship with them. I would love to be able to say like, Hey, you're 40. Now I met you when you were 21 and and just graduating. I would rather that situation than, Oh, I'm going to write you off because you're only 21. And And before you know it, I'm begging you for a job. (laughs) But yeah, sports industry is small. It is really, really small. So I think for me, uh, I am am who I am. I don't care who I'm talking to. And if if the opportunity is not a good fit, that's okay. But I'm not going to go and treat someone who is a CEO any different than I'm going to go and treat somebody who is a, a new grad biz dev person. I think that really lends itself to be able 
if you have a reputation for treating people and being authentic and simply, you know, you want to sit down and have a chit chat, some conversations are obviously uh, more, not serious, not necessarily severe, but serious or, or casual, of course, that's part of doing business and being professional. But if you kind of set a standard for your own behavior, I think the sports industry is great because if so, if you are growing a great relationship with one person, then they will open the door to, to five others. Yep. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the one thing it's after doing this podcast, it's my second favorite thing I get to do in the sports yeah. industry because I legitimately enjoy conversation. It's my favorite thing that I do. It's so much fun just to get to talk to somebody, learn about who they are, what they do, and then understanding the people that I know and the skills that I have you know, just kind of, if you just listen to somebody talk, you can easily find out how you can help them. It's really not that hard. It's not like they're asking directly, but, oh, this is what you do. Well, my friend does this. Would it be cool if I connected you guys? Maybe there's money in it. Maybe there's not better chance. That's just a really good conversation. Yeah. Why would we not all just continue to try and again, lift each other up as you were saying? Well, and I think too, it's, it's uh, a bit of a generational thing of how we do business. And by we, I mean, really anyone under the age of 50, I think we as a whole really, crave that more just just tell me who you are <laughs> you know even if you're a total jerk just put it out there because I'd, I'd far rather just know it than have to find out later you know what I mean um yeah I think it plays into it I hope you don't think I'm a jerk Jenny I absolutely do not Killer. <laughs> love it love it love it and I guess so with with everything that you've been doing um with you know so Aqueous, again, talking about swimming, a sport that's been around for a little while. I have esports written down here. I mean, how now you're learning about, you know, new opportunities, new sports, new things. Like, what in the esports is always just a super interesting conversation because yeah. I don't think, I think there's a few people that know a lot about it. And then everyone else, we're just trying to gain some of that information. And that's me. I'm going to try and gain information from someone like you. And hopefully we can share some of that. What have you been doing in the esports space or what are you looking to do? further in the esports space and i guess why yeah well i feel like i should plug here this seems like oh. a natural plug hmm. uh yeah what we're really looking for now it, it's all of the strategy it's the biz dev it's the tech development those are really like the big things that we're looking at right now regardless of sport um and and at an, an international level so esports i started in probably about three years ago and we mapped out what ended up being the pilot tournament for the NHL's entrance into how they handle uh, esports strategy for the, the different franchises. Um, and, and so ultimately, I had the idea, we sketched it out, we invited the key players from EA and the NHL and, and World Gaming, and we launched the first North American tournament for it. So that was an excellent opportunity or, or example of effective partnerships coming together. I had the idea or the vision, which is kind of, you know, my role. And then we were able to bring in the organizations that actually could handle the tech and the platform and the, the legal approvals and, and the media and all that other stuff. So from that, uh, we've spoken to a number of different sports tourism destinations that are interested in bringing in the younger people and the, the family sport atmosphere that is coming with competitive gaming in order to grow their sport tourism dollars. I think that's really interesting. Uh, they're using esports and kind of more of the recreational age group level competitor to drive tourism tax dollars to their local community. Something as small as that to the very, very large, obviously highly uh, media driven tournaments are just fascinating. 
And I, one of the students recently said, you know, do you think esports is going to be around? And I said, I think that the pandemic has been the best thing to happen to esports ever. You know, these three months without sports has really legitimized uh, what esports means to the athletic community. And whether, or I mean, we could go all day of whether or not they're actual athletes and are they neurological athletes, that whole saga. But it's here to stay for sure. And I think what it now is, where it is now, is that you have sport opportunities at everywhere from the amateur or, or youth level all the way up to the pro level. Um, I do a little bit of work with our government sports diplomacy department of how they're actually trying to uh, encourage young people to uh, meet different cultures through gaming because it completely removed the barriers that traditional sport naturally has with needing to be in a location. So I think esports is is going to be a massive vertical. Yeah, I think if anything, baseball won't be here. Uh, I think esports is going to be just yeah. fine. So I'm the biggest baseball fan. I love the Mets so much. But man, is this whole BS that's going on just pissing everybody off to the point where, I mean, you, you make a, I think the one cool thing about esports, too, that you know, as you were saying, I mean, maybe you didn't say it, I'll say it kind of legitimizes it more is we have all these athletes that are coming in, you know, professional yeah. NBA and NHL and MLB athletes that are coming in to play the games and they're taking that level of competition that they have on the field to the controller. Right. Absolutely. And it's just, it's so cool to see. I mean, we know like Gordon Hayward is huge. Anytime I watch Twitch, his commercial always comes up. I can't remember what the product is. Yeah, I just yeah. Gordon Hayward on there. So it's really, I think that's just that extra level of legitimizing it. Now, I don't want to have that conversation if they are athletes or if they're not. Yeah, I, it's not worth it. <laughs> I understand both sides of the argument. I would probably lean towards their extreme competitors. I do think they're athletes and I want to watch the best competitors compete at something. And that sure. is something that I want to watch. So it's been a lot of fun, but sure. um, it's always just very interesting to me. And now, you know, we were talking about it before Aquius, it kind of lended its hand to swimmers, but now it sounds like more fluid and you can kind of move through all the situations and do whatever you need to do. So I think the name is still perfect. Well, that's why we switched over to ASG International. You know, when we first started, it was just Aqueous, and then it's Aqueous Sports Group International, and and I find it easier to just say ASG. Um, acronyms too. Acronyms, acronyms are always, really, this always on point. The world loves acronyms, but yeah, I really I see the growth and the new opportunities really coming in from the sports tech space. Um, the, any kind of new league development. We're working with one of the new leagues that are forming to help get them uh, investor money. Um, we're working with one of the, like I said, the Olympic training centers to make sure that their athletes have a strategy for return to play. Uh, anything like that. That that I really think is where we're going as opposed to just the individual athlete services. I love it. And I think it's very impressive. I think it's more fun too, right? You still get to work with athletes. You're doing exactly what you want to do in that case, but then you also open yourself up to all these other opportunities, get to all these other things. And you, it sounds like you love every single one of them. So I do. Me. And to be honest, I just, I love being in a nice suit, blazer, take me to, take me to like, you know, the nice little like conference room. That's my jam. I want to be there. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back there. Honestly, I kind of like your paddleboard suit that you're wearing right oh. now. I prefer that. I'll just say it. I prefer that. I so um, one thing that we did want to talk about a little bit, we teased it in the beginning. I'm starting to get good at this radio stuff. Like we'll see how it goes. Um, but you are working on a program, a coaching program, 12 month long, yep. six month long, helping students, helping athletes 
tell us a little bit about this program and why people will be hearing advertisements for it potentially on this show moving forward. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it? And I so appreciate you first and foremost. Um, yeah, so what we're doing is we're launching two different programs. The first is 12 months, and that is geared towards anyone who's already established in the sports industry that is looking to improve their skill set surrounding strategic planning and partnership development. Uh, every month we will be having uh, one-on-one content, small group content, uh, behind-the-scenes interviews with some high-level people in the industry that we normally wouldn't have access to. And you'll have a full toolkit of, of new skills and, and worksheets and everything in order to have better deal flow, improve strategic planning, um, and definitely some more creative partnership solutions that you can roll out to whatever kind of uh, vertical that you work in in sports. The nice thing about that 12-month program is that we're actually going to provide uh, one-on-one support for one of the participants' uh, real-time deal flow. So if you're a member of that 12-month series and uh, you have a problem the last three months or so, we're going to actually support you through that and uh, help your team through it. So that's the 12-month. And then the three-month is actually for our new grad students. So this is anyone who is either actively a new grad or has made a career change and is now into the sports industry, so regardless of your age. Um, And this is going to be uh, a small group format, and we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of the sports industry. So understanding your role, the different roles that are involved in making team sport happen, how to effectively communicate with your leaders, how to pitch an idea, how to uh, say yes effectively, and more importantly, learn how to craft effective no's to answers and boundaries around different problems and solutions. And uh, I'm looking forward to both of them. I hope people uh, are interested. What they can do is just go onto the Aquas website. I'm sure that we'll have a link there uh, and certainly in the commercials going forward. Um, They can sign up for either the 12 month or the three month. And uh, we're looking forward to it. And and I think it is the best way to start a sponsorship on this show. Again, that's why I really wanted to have you on. I was very excited to get you on to talk about your career because let's pump this up. I mean, you have done so much and you started in a very specific way and then you started to move um, in that direction and now you're doing so many more different things and I love it and I think it's so cool. And again, just with the programs, the 12 month and the three month, I apologize, I misspoke before. I think again, you know, for industry professionals, Kind of that are already there that just need a little bit of help and a little understanding and like let's let's really work through this and give you a good understanding of what it's taken you've done that in multiple different fashions and multiple different ways and then the three month for new graduates or, or people really just starting to get into the industry that's very important too you know as i've said you know through this podcast in just six months less than six months yeah. i've been able to connect with some incredible people yeah, so, yeah. Just think what Jenny's been able to do in the last multiple years of doing this and going to all these conferences and meeting all these people and doing all these things. I think these programs are incredible. I think they're going to help so much. And I think it's more, it's an acceleration, right? It's just one of those things that allows you to just kind of hit, you know, Jenny is going to push your foot down and make you go faster. And that car is going (laughs) to rev and you're going to run and you're going to love it. And again, as you've heard through this conversation for almost an hour now, she has done some incredible things. She will continue to do incredible things. So it only gets better, right? It's not like it's a static 12 months. It's, but yeah. you know, the start of it, you're going to be increasing your knowledge, your skills, your development, your expertise in those 12 months. So people will continue to get better. It's just this, it's, it's incredible. I love it. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'm so excited to have you. And you know, I think that as much as I love driving people to do better, it's not going to be just me. We've got people that are helping us build like yourself, 
building out interviews, access to industry leaders that we naturally wouldn't have. Um, and certainly once everything reopens, we won't have access to as people. I think the, the pandemic has really opened up communication for a brief period and then it will likely close again. Uh, so we're excited to be able to bring those conversations directly to people. And much like you said, networking and have, building personal relationships, even if you need to invest dollars in order to go and make an experience happen, the return on investment for your life and your career are huge because your network in sport ultimately drives your success. There's no other way around it. And and we were saying before, it's a small industry, but at the same time, you still need to go out and meet those people, right? And the sure. easiest way to get in front of those people is to have those conversations and be introduced directly because they, they I mean, I don't care what any marketer or advertiser says, word of mouth marketing will forever and always be number one. Absolutely. So if you are going and someone is personally introducing you and you're having those conversations, you're meeting people face to face, shaking hands, hopefully we can do that in the future. I'm pretty excited to do that again. I miss <laughs> I hugging my friends too. I kind of, I, don't I know. totally agree. It's been crazy, but I'm I'm just so excited for these programs, what you've been doing, how you've been doing it. I just think it's it's absolutely incredible. So thank you again for allowing me to help uh, you build this and affect and, and impact so many people's lives positively. Well, it's been a privilege. I, I really appreciate everything that you have already brought to the table and simply just knowing you. It's been fantastic. And I'm, I'm so proud of how you have grown. I mean, even in the couple of months that you and I have known each other, this, this podcast has just grown. And I'm very, I'm very, very proud of you. Hopefully, hopefully one of those. I mean, we all saw Joe Rogan get his hundred million dollars. Now, I don't need. Oh that. yeah, <laughs> I don't need that. I'll be very honest. That seems excessive. Seems like too much responsibility. Anyway, I'll take I'm a cool. He's handling it just fine. <laughs> I'm sure he's figuring it out. But I take a cool ten mil. Like that's fine. I could live off that. I could do some invest it. You know, get my five percent every. We're good. You gotta We're go good. get some of those engineering opportunities. Maybe, maybe we'll. <laughs> I'll I'll lean on you for that. I'll join the program. Okay. I'll lean on you for that. Um, yeah. And one last thing I did want to touch upon too. I know you do a lot of work. You know, international has been very important to you, and you've been talking yeah. about that a lot. You spoke about you know um, the the kid from India that reached out to you, and I know you've been a part of some partnerships and programs, and you've been dealing with some kids uh, overseas as well. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there, and how you know how that's been affecting you as well as you've been able to affect them. I love international work because there's so many unique challenges that come with the different cultures, not only towards sport, but also towards business. You know, when you're sitting in a room and you're used to doing business your way, which is the American way, and you're sitting at a table and they, they say, well, America commercializes going for a walk. That's not how we do business here. <laughs> you know, it just opens up a whole new, a whole new challenge that you have to sort through. So yeah, I have, I've been presenting with the, uh, with India's global sports business, uh, college. And, and that's an amazing program. I'm doing another, uh, talk with them in the middle of July. They, they are bringing in students from all over India. They have, um, a network of major, major leagues and, and teams that are, uh, utilizing these students to go and do, fulfill their internships. So these kids are going through a great program and then automatically getting placed, you know, with places like the Premier League, that it's just an incredible opportunity. So uh, I'm speaking with them. I've also done some work in uh, Finland and England, as well as Australia. We have a, a nice relationship with uh, our government sports diplomacy division. So anytime that we're doing traveling, I, I like to send a note over to them and they might set up some speaking opportunities I was doing a uh, conference in Australia and through our sports diplomacy division, we were able to set up a student visit with kids, American kids that were in, studying in Perth uh, for sports management and exercise science. And that was just, you know, you're on the other side of the world and you're still talking about 
things going on back home and, and how you can grow in your careers. And I just love doing stuff like that. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you're not doing too, too much travel now. So uh, the, the time difference was grounded for too long, man. <laughs> that, that time difference, though, for those, some of those conferences, like in India, that, that seems, are you just up in the middle of the night? Or are they are they waiting till two o'clock in the morning to hear you as they should? Of course, it's very well worth it. Yeah, but. We've settled on, uh, I think 9 a.m. for me is about 6.30 for p.m. for them. Oh, that's not terrible. So that's okay. The Australia, anytime we're talking to people in Australia, that's a tough one. Yeah. Oof. Well, hopefully you get back to travel soon and everything starts going. But Jenny, this has been absolutely fantastic. I sincerely appreciate you, what you do, how you're doing it. Very excited to help out in any way that I can. Jenny Brazina, Managing Director. I call it Aquia Sports Group, but I guess it's ASG International, which also <laughs> just sounds so much sweeter. But Jenny, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening to that episode with Jenny Brazina. As I said, she is just absolutely incredible. All the things she's done and how she's done it, it is truly inspiring what she's been able to do up to this point. I'm so excited to be a part of it now and with the partnership, obviously, that we are putting together. So you'll be starting to hear some ads for it throughout some of the episodes as we do them uh, so you can understand what she's offering, how she's offering it and how you can take advantage. So if you could please follow Jenny on all of her socials, everything will be in the show notes. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at MichaelRazeal1. That's where I am the most active. And yeah, please, five-star review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Those are the only two that matter in the podcast industry, unfortunately. I know we all just saw Joe Rogan, but whatever. Thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.